Fun Arcade Couch, the best place to your friends to get your gaming goodness every Monday. My name is Dylan Blunt. Joining me on the couch this week, Ashley Hobley. Hey Dylan, excited to be here, coming live from the Audio Technica booth at PAX 2020. Woo! Well, Why to make everyone sad, I guess. Also here, Kara Munchen. Can I say, this soundproofing of these Audio Technica headsets, fantastic. I can barely even hear the crowd around us. Like, this is... If this, this is, was PAX, my voice would be croakier, tireder. Decided to come come into you from an alternate universe where coronavirus never hit. Yeah. Um, and also, so- there would be techno music playing right next to us as we're recording. Um, and if you, you're <laughs> listening to this and you're like, hey, wait a minute, I never got told that PAX was on this weekend. It's probably because PAX didn't want you there. So <laughs> <laughs> Secret PAX. It's secret PAX. Secret you gotta PAX. be you got to be in, you got to know the handshakes. Sad times. Anyway, today on the show... <laughs> Ash and Kieran have their first impressions of Baldur's Gate 3. We recap this past week's JB Hi-Fi mess and Epic sets a trial date. But first, I want to recap quickly over my Crash Bandicoot 4 review because I did finish the game since last week. Last week I'd only played uh, a handful of levels. I've since gone through and uh, finished the game. I gave it a 7.5 in my final review. Of course, you can read the full thing at explosionnetwork.com. Uh, I think it's a really good crash like it's it's a really 7.5 obviously really good good score um i think it's a a solid return to form quotation marks if that's what everyone keeps throwing around and in a lot of ways obviously it is because every game after three was considered not great um this game is actually i think the best platforming crash bandicoot game like where a lot of people, including myself, have rose-tinted glasses on when looking at the, the original trilogy because they weren't actually that good of a platformer, especially when compared to all the ones like, of course, Mario and whatever, but they were just beloved if you grew up playing them because of the levels and the characters and the music and all that sort of thing. Uh, as much as the platforming, this one's good. I just don't think... it. Several of the... Especially as I got f- further into the game, several of the areas just felt like versions of stuff we'd played before, which I f- thought wasn't very exciting. Like there's a there's a frozen world or whatever. I'm like, okay, so we've done that in like every fucking game. There's a, there's a world where it's like set in the future. I'm like, okay, so we did we did that in three. There's like a deserty type thing. I'm like, okay, we did that in three. Like it, it feels like a lot of it wasn't the, the exact same, but I'm like, it's kind of weird when you're playing with time travel that you could literally go and do anything. And you're, we're still kind of having very safe uh, directions with the, the, a, the overall the, level design. The Force Awakens approach. Yes, let's you just know, it's, give it's people new, what they. But you know, we want to yeah. give you what you what you're used to and what you what you love. Yeah, we don't want to scare everyone off straight away. So maybe if they do, maybe if it sells well, hopefully it sells well. They do a a fifth one. They can get out there a bit more. Um, I will say the other thing I, I do want to note about this game is that because. I think I was saying, I think I said last week in the first couple of levels straight away I was like okay this game's pretty hard like it's not they definitely looked at Crash Bandicoot and went hey these games were hard but that's not what anyone really remembers them remembers them for because that's why I find it really weird like I don't think anyone my age who grew up or anyone that grew up playing the Crash games would be like oh what's your favorite things from them oh the difficulty no that was that, that was never <laughs> a thing like if if they were hard when I was a kid. I don't think I ever just noticed because that was just they they were just what they were like I always thought Crash 1 was hard but 2 and 3 were just whatever but a lot of people still consider those games kind of hard um, nonetheless they they really fucking doubled down on the difficulty for this game the, the, the last level 
in this game. And I don't mean the boss level. There's a boss level, but the, the level before the boss is absolutely insane. It took me 60-something deaths to complete. I've seen some people on Twitter posting it's taken them 200-plus to complete because it has, like, a death counter timer. And I'm, uh, I, and I, can, I can totally understand. It's, it's like the game just goes... Like, here's a steady kind of incline of difficulty. And then with the last level, they're like, hey, we love Celeste. So let's just give you one level that's very much heavily inspired by some Celeste-esque shit. And here, <laughs> you better figure it out fast or you're never going to complete the game. I'm like, okay. Um, without spoiling, it, it's basically, it takes all four of the mask's powers, which one of them lets you change reality so you can flick things in and out. One of them lets you spin indefinitely. Um, the, another one lets you slow down time. And then one of the others lets you uh, like flip yourself gravity up and down type thing. And in the last level, it's like, hey, here's a here's a intense platforming section where you've basically got to jump from one thing to another, jumping into and activating these masks and then using their powers appropriately just in really fucking quick succession and good luck, have fun. I'm like, okay, I can see a lot of people getting to this level and just being like, well, that's it for me. I guess I'm not finished the, finishing the game because unlike Celeste, this game doesn't actually have a um, any accessibility options for people to 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 to, to make it any easier <laughs> at all. So it's it's GG or go home type thing. But um, yes, seven point five all up. I think that that if you're a Crash fan, it's it's good. If you're not a Crash fan, I'd suggest maybe giving this one a go because it is actually quite a good platformer if you're willing to put up with the the difficulty right at the end there. Right, let's jump into this in news. So firstly, of course, uh, it wouldn't be a week of Arco Couch if we're not talking a little bit about pre-orders. JB Hi-Fi this past week uh, had copped a, a lot of shit and as uh, Kotaku writes, JB Hi-Fi has backflipped on its stance to not accept gift cards on the PS5 and Xbox Series X pre-orders, but it's still complicated. Originally, no gift cards were allowed. On Monday, JB Hi-Fi began sending out text messages to customers who had pre-ordered the next-gen consoles. This included a note about how gift cards would not be accepted as a form of payment on the remainder of the pre-orders. Saying, quote, your spot in the queue for your PS5 console pre-order is confirmed. We'll SMS you as soon as your link to get your console balance, blah, 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 blah. This resulted in backlash, unsurprisingly. Uh, and then they reversed the decision later and more or less Twitter, Australian game Twitter was having a uh, a red hot debate about is is JB Hi-Fi going to get like uh, taken a court over this? Is, is this okay? Is this not okay? Um Ash, you got a message. Yep. You were like, "Oh, I can pay this, right?" How, how do you feel? How do you feel about everything that happened? Uh, I will say, I just paid it outright because I had the money put aside. Um, yep. So no like qualms there. Um, I mean, it's it's not a great look. I mean, it was pretty. I think the whole way they've kind of gone about it is not the the best. Uh, I do understand. I can't remember where I read it exactly, but apparently they they're using a new pre order system uh, that didn't allow for gift cards. That was like a technical yeah. issue. Is the reasoning behind it not some malicious fu to all the customers who have been so I don't know, asking cards. for gift cards from everybody for the last uh, six months? Um, I mean, 
good that they're going to be able to pay off their pay it off now through this refund system, I guess, because God help the person at the retail desk who had to put through a fucking PS5 pre-order with 60, 70 different bloody gift cards uh, yeah. with $30 so the, each on them. How it works now, as you're just hearing that, how it now works now is if you do want to use gift cards, you still have to pay it up front somehow. Yes, with real then money. They, with real money, yeah. but they will now refund you gift cards after you use gift it's use gift cards to get gift cards basically it's ridiculous it's yeah. it's so weird because even then right don't you just look at that and you go wait why didn't i just if i if, if you if you've got the money to pay for it you're not necessarily wanting to use gift cards for, or or like why would you want to get gift cards back if you've got gift cards to spend like it's just very no, they're going to refund you the cash. Oh, they're giving you cash. Gift- they're not giving yeah. you right. Sorry, I thought you meant gift cards. Okay, that's <laughs> that's acceptable. That would have been broken. And I would have been like, "What the?" Wait, I, they're I, giving you gift cards in return for the gift cards? You no, yeah, yeah they're giving yeah, you cash as refund. Okay. That's that's acceptable then. Cards. But at the same time, you still have to pay it all in upfront. You still have to pay it. Yeah, yeah, you still have to pay it, which is the weird thing because some people who you have, have gift cards, source, man. Crowdsource it? Oh, no. Yeah, do you, like, give your friend... Here, I'll give you this $30 gift card. Uh, You give me 30 bucks for it, and then I'll get the money back <laughs> when JB it's, pays it's, me back. It's very strange. And I think the biggest problem... Honestly, the biggest problem is communication on JB Hi-Fi's end is the biggest thing, because I guess you look at it from two different ways, where EB Games went into it. Maybe EB Games have better information about just how many units or a rough estimate of how many units they were going to get. Um, and they could easily say, okay, as soon as we hit this amount of pre-orders, we stop and we, we, we hard cut off instead of JB Hi-Fi, like JB Hi-Fi did with this $50 lottery ticket um, where it's like, okay, nobody knows, nobody knows when they're going to get told that they've got a console. Nobody's going to know when they're going to have to pay for that console and you don't know if you've got a console in the first place. So uh, I guess it's a case of it's very uncertain. And then for now to be like, okay, awesome. Okay, cool. Um, you have, you've got a console, but you need to now pay for it in the next five, ten days. Just it, somewhat it, maybe. It's five days. It's five. Yeah, five days. <laughs> in- Literally, if you did not pay for it by the time this episode comes up, uh, you're not getting six, the console. Six yeah. hours ago, if you're listening to this right as it dropped, it, you had until 11.59 p.m. Sunday night. Which is um, which is ridiculous. Like, honestly, it's it's crazy to think. Like, you, you know what? I probably would have been... You'd probably be less if they're like, okay, if they had set a date where they're like, okay, uh, we're going to announce who's got consoles on this day, roughly, be prepared to pay for that within that time period. Um. Mm. I know, especially in Australia, it might be different in other kind of countries, but in Australia, a lot of, you know, middle-income kind of families or, or people buying consoles or picking this kind of thing up do it in, like, an installment system when they've got the pre-order and they just want to keep going and, and paying a little bit off in every couple of weeks with a paycheck. It's just very strange. And the fact that it took not only public outcry from it, but then also for the Australia Consumer Affairs to be like, hey... You never stated before you sold this pre-order that people couldn't use gift cards. 
that's a a breach in the Australian consumer law. Like that is against the consumer law, especially when it comes to gift cards. And mm. you know, I saw. I think I read that article and read that information. I think on Kotaku, and then maybe twenty minutes later, there was a JB Hi-Fi um, article or like an update posted that hey, we're now accepting gift cards, which is like, all right, you guys have uh, yeah. kind of backflipped on that pretty quickly as soon as you know things got a little bit more serious with it and you haven't had the yeah. total power to kind of stand your ground and uh force that out so yeah so both of you have pre-orders for xboxes confirmed now no just ashley oh well as i've got an order it's been confirmed okay. well, you've only there's got no definite I've got, there's nothing 100%. Hey, nothing specifically that says, hey, your PS4, 5 will be here this date. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. Nothing like, specifically that's the, on the confirmation. That's crazy. So PlayStation, that's, yeah. So now it's like, yeah, now I've, I've just... I'm 100% I've, expecting it. Well, oh, I'd expect it. If you've paid the money, expecting if it you've to be paid there? the money, I would be like... Almost livid if I didn't get a launch date. I feel like, so the email after, so I paid off my Xbox, right? So I'm getting my Xbox via JB. And the the email. Yeah. Yeah, launch day. Yeah. The email looks like a pretty standard. It's like, hey, you're going to be collecting from here. Here's your receipt. Uh, it, It says a waiting release console on whatever the date is, uh, the 10th of November, whatever. Like it, it looks pretty, but still this whole console generation uh, pre-order stuff just has me constantly on edge of like waiting for someone to fuck me over. Like I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to hopefully go into EB games tomorrow. I was going to go today, but uh, I, I was uh, too afraid I'd fucking have a nosebleed everywhere. But um, I was going <laughs> to go into, I want to go into EB games because I emailed them and was like, Hey, is my PS5 okay? And they replied and said, yes, it is. But then I thought, Target said exactly the same thing about my Xbox, and they fucked me, right? So I'm going to go into store and go, hey, can I put money down yeah, more of my pre-order? Yeah. Will you take my yeah. money now? And then once I do that, I think then I'll be like, all right, I feel pretty uh, yeah, pretty that's, good. That's, yeah, I, yeah, I feel safe EB now. definitely wouldn't take your money and then not deliver on the thing. No, I feel like EB is actually as much as they're not, they like- they had the worst case of the the website crashing or whatever. Like I feel like if you've got one for there, they're like the safest. The I way. feel more secure at EB, even with my because uh, I got the the text message to say, "Hey, your JB Hi-Fi pre-order sometime 2020." Good it didn't say pre-Christmas. Like, no, it said pre-Christmas. It did say pre-Christmas, yeah. which you know is another. It's over a month, so it's, it's like yeah, month, at some yeah. point. And I feel more secure about my EB Games one. I've, I've, so I've kind of, I've resigned to myself to the fact that my, I'm not getting an Xbox till probably December, probably wherever get it. Maybe there's like these random rumors about November twenty there being a second lot of yeah, so consoles. I think the, I think all those messages because I think because I know there's like when EB Games did their waves. And when Harvey Norman, I remember seeing, have dates up. Harvey Norman actually had dates on their websites yes. for the waves. And their second wave was 20th of November or whatever it was. Yes. So yeah. I think that maybe JB Hi-Fi just wanted to lock in their launch day stock and was like, hey, you've got launch day, you've got launch day. And if everyone else that's either maybe the 20th or maybe the, the 
after that. They're yes. still not sure who's who yet. And they're like, you're getting it before Christmas. And then maybe you'll get another message that's like, hey, you're 20th of November. Hey, you're, you know, 3rd of December. You know, like yes. some, yeah, of course. Correct. some layout like that. Yeah. Because yeah, so it, it makes sense that, to lock in the launch day stocks, probably yes, the most important to get out the door, get yes. that sorted. Yeah. It would be. Yeah, it'll be good as soon as if, if look if that is on the books in the next couple of weeks, retailers start coming out and saying, "Hey, your console should be here around this time." Like just just so you've got FYI, so people can aim prepared to buy, pay for it or pay for it early if they need to. Yeah. Um, like in my head now, I'm like, okay, so I've got my PlayStation launch day. I'm gonna buy the PlayStation, then I have a week with the PlayStation, and then I don't touch that for like two weeks. As soon as Cyberpunk comes out, most likely. And then some point after that, I go through all the Xbox stuff that I haven't played on PlayStation. Um, it's just very, yeah, it, it's just going to be a long... I, gotta, I, I don't want to go too deep down this rabbit hole because it, it's, a whole, it's a whole thing. But I think the more I thought about, because I think a lot of time we kept looking at these consoles as like, what next-gen games are we playing on them? What next-gen yes, games? Yes. Yeah. And when, the more I've seen people tweeting, people who have their Series Xs at the moment, the 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 review unit units and stuff. Those people are all stuff. playing old this gen stuff. Yeah. But it, all of it, at least a lot of it that they're playing and posting about is all being like upgraded to 60 frames per second and like yes. high resolutions and stuff. And a lot of that does for, for someone like me who who cares about that and Ash is over there like who gives a fuck? I know. You, my TV you, can't you, handle that. Yeah, It'll my t- explode yeah, if thing. I try this. But like a lot of that stuff I am excited about. So it, it, the more I see them, less I'm like, oh, maybe I don't care too much. Like my maybe my Xbox is going to be like just a lot of well, there's like old gen stuff. Just mentally, upgraded. mentally for me, there's stuff where I'm like, okay, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'm going to save that for when I get my Xbox and I'll play Valhalla on my Xbox because. And you know what? Probably if it wasn't for the Xbox, I probably wouldn't play Assassin's Creed Valhalla this year because it's not. Why you can play on PlayStation. I could play it on PlayStation, but on PlayStation, I know I'm going to play. I think I'm going to try picking up Demon Souls just because of the fact of how freaking amazing it looked. Even though I don't love those games, I still want to pick that up just to try it. I've got Mars Morales. I'm probably going to play Bugs Next on that console. I'm going to Ratchet and Clank at some point. Um, all the also all the stuff coming up Bugs in the last couple of days looks really fun. I'm excited. Nice. Looks like it's going to be the best chill game in the world, and I'm like exactly what i would like every now and then so um yeah it's going to be an interesting november slash december whenever people get their stuff um and all the stuff about xbox is really exciting it's um from because that's well and i say that just because that's what we've heard the most about other than the the playstation teardown that happened this week um we we don't really know that much well, we are four weeks away from the Xbox, like, as of recording. We're recording this on Saturday. It's the 10th today, so, like, we're li- literally a month away, to put it into yep. perspective of how close that next generation is. You can almost taste it. I- I'm getting uh, excited, I'll-, I'll-, I'll say. Definitely, especially now when people are talking about things, like, even, like, they're talking about the extent that these games are running so much better on these consoles, where it's, like, good. Excellent. I'm glad that these, like, there is actual, like, these consoles now have the ability to improve the old games. It always felt weird that you, like, you put in an old PlayStation 2 game when the, in the consoles that were PS3 and it would just not run it any better. Anyway. Hmm. Okay. You're still just emulating rather than... As I, as I tweeted 
the other day because I kept seeing people saw someone post footage of Jedi Fallen Order running at 60 frames per second and I was just straight away like oh Bloodborne at 60 frames per second that's a please <laughs> summoning circle um alright so that's the, oh the last thing I'll say in JB Hi-Fi that one last comment I, I, I was trying to say was um I see a lot of people get angry and they're like what do you, like I pre-ordered it now they're telling me I don't have launch day I'm surprised the amount of people did not even like read, read the, the fine print and I yeah. get like if you're trying to quickly pre-order but even then wouldn't you have read like I'm pretty sure it said the fine print in your receipt or whatever like you like after you ordered it you could still read on your page where it says hey you've basically just brought a lottery ticket a like a, yeah like yeah. <laughs> like I'm surprised the amount of people that haven't but also over the last over the last 24 hours i've seen a lot of people just suddenly discover that the playstation 5 camera doesn't work for vr and my twitter's just been full of people going what i never knew this why did i need the camera for and i'm like i've literally been talking about two three months ago yeah we've been talking about this for months so if you want to make sure you're up to date with playstation news news please listen to platinum explosion our playstation podcast because i actually fill you in with fucking shit you should <laughs> no apparently <laughs> apparently i'm not gonna say who but apparently other podcasts just aren't as good as our playstation podcasts is all i'm gonna say you know so yeah, that's why what's the thing you guys say at the start of it yeah what what's the thing you guys say at the start of the episode is like number one number one playstation podcast in the oceanias that's right that's there, there we go that's, that's why it's go. number one affiliated approved but we'll also say i'm feeling more confident now that i've paid it off because surely there's going to be people who don't well, pay it off. So I'm even like further to thing. the front of the queue. Yeah. Even that's the thing. So, for, for Dylan saying he was worried about EB Games, surely it looks better if you've gone in there and paid more money on it. So when if they are having to go, oh, we need to cut back on some of these pre-orders, they can go, oh, cool, you've already... They're not going to go by time. They're going to go by who's given us money. I, I was tempted. Know. I was tempted just to pack up my fucking Xbox and like take that in. But I'm like, oh, oh. I've got both of mine. That's actually quick, quick discussion because I don't know what I'm doing yet. At the, right, I'm having did. like this like weird kind of midway because my Xboxes are packed up. They're in the mm. wardrobe. I've moved house. I've packed them up. I'm like, I'm going to trade them in probably next week or two. But my Xbox Series X is a Project Scorpio edition. So my part of my brain's like, do you really want to give that to EB Games? Like, do you really want to hand that into EB Games? Do, can you be bothered to going through the hassle of like trying to sell it on to maybe somebody who wants it? And I'm like, eh, it's so much effort. Have you, you looked know, on you know, eBay? How much they're going for? About five hundred and fifty bucks. Is that more than you're going to get from me? It's a lot. More. It's a lot. It's about. <laughs> it's about a yeah. It's about a hundred and something dollars more. But so I guess it depends on how much you value your time and effort into. It's just the thing where it's like okay, eBay what's the? Isn't that something? It? If you got that, isn't that something where you'd keep? Did you ever not just consider keeping it or no? Part of me also has considered keeping it because I'm like could just keep it in there and just have it because it is yeah. like a like, I don't know how much you care about collecting just more stuff, research but... and see how the price fluctuation's been yeah that's that's the thing because that's, they're gonna, that's... maybe the market is going about to be flooded with project with Scorpio Xboxes yeah that's that's the that's the thing where it's like how much do I care about this like I told you before I'm getting rid of my pro it's an old pro and I'm getting rid of my S it's an old S but I'm keeping my Uncharted Special Edition PlayStation. And if that was the only PS4 I had, I would be keeping it still. Because yeah. I wouldn't be trading in... Like, I brought that because I thought it was cool and I'm just going to keep it. Like, I have one of every other console kicking around somewhere. Like, I sell my PS1. 
I still have a PS2. I still have at least one of every console. I'm never going to use them. I'm not keeping them and pretending I'm going to use them because I know a lot of people keep the consoles and they're like, oh, I'm going to use this one day. No, they're just things that look cool. And if I can ever have them set up on like on a shelf or something, that they're just like collectibles to sit. They, they might as well be toys, but yeah. Okay. All right. You've, I've, you've added food for thought. Food for thought, they say. Yeah. I'm really glad we helped you come to this decision. Yeah. That's right. I'm so, glad the listeners stayed in and tuned in. Hey, I, if you if you want a Project Scorpio, Ringo. if you mm, want a Project Scorpio Xbox Series X, <laughs> slide into slide my DMs. In. Oh, yeah. against the terms and the conditions of this podcast, to be selling things in the show. Um, oh, crap. <laughs> I, like I, I just realized that a lot of the past like month of this show is just a lot of us just discussing on air how, if and um, what <laughs> things we should be selling or how we're like trading and dealing strategy. for next gen consoles. Yeah. yeah. It's quite fun. Yeah. Anyway, so now you can, you can file this podcast under finance. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. That's a hundred percent. Yeah. How go morons ro- manage their money. Go rock that category. Um, <laughs> all right, moving on finally. So, uh, Australian Game Developer Awards had their show over the past. Well, what what night was it? I've already forgot. Yeah, I don't know. It was in the seventh, middle of the week, wasn't it? So what? Thursday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Wednesday. That sounds about right. Yeah, sounds Wednesday. About right. Uh, wanted to run over the winners. Ash wrote up a, a news post covering all the the winners. Uh, there was some cool stuff in here. Just a little bit of celebration of the Australian game scene. So let's run through. Best art went to Necro Barista. Which I I feel like even though I haven't had a chance to actually go play that game in full was a fair shout. That game's you know the the, the standout has always been the art. Every time I've seen it, packs and so on and so forth. Uh, best sound went to Audio Play Alien Strike, which I'd never seen of uh, before yeah. this. But so interesting. This game is interesting because um, I did a little bit of research for the article. Obviously, Audio Play is like a format on your mobile phone. Uh, so you can play it. Two kids in like play together, one on one phone, one on the other. It like plays through like a role playing sort of mission thing, where each person has their own individual thing and they play through it like in real life. Yeah. So, so if, if you yeah. watch the trailer, which you can of course by following through to the the news pipe in the description of this podcast, um, the the trailer is just literally two kids just role playing with headphones on, basically. Yeah. And that's the game, like it's just them. Yeah, which like is funny to say because story, yeah, yeah, it's 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 funny because it, it it is a game, but at the same time, like it's I it's weird because it's it's you're just kind of listening to something and then like how does it know if you're reacting or not react? You know what I mean? It doesn't. It doesn't matter. You just commit no, to it. No, it doesn't. It's yeah. like the 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 tape board game things you play. Yeah, it's like one yeah. of those. Yeah, Except it's pretty cool. Real life, pretty cool. Uh, cool best idea. emerging game, right? From Pond Games. Uh, this is a description reads, high-speed sc- high precision platformer where you must conquer a series of demanding trials. Uh, I w- watched the trailer for it and I went, yeah, no, it looks really hard. So, <laughs> You know what game it reminds me of? What? Celeste. Uh, Celeste? Would, anything hard just looks like fucking Celeste Ash. I think. Well, it's got the little the spiky things. So, collecting coins and stuff, yeah. Uh, best gameplay went to Boomerang Foo from Cr- Cranky Watermelon. I thought this was a great, oh, yeah. great win. There That's you go. Good. Shout That's outs. Good. Yeah. Shout outs. Um, of course, we streamed that before. I would would love to, to do another, might get around to do another round of that. Again, uh, great game. 
some of the power ups, as I tw- as I t- tweeted out, I feel like <laughs> the best part is <laughs> great gameplay. But sometimes you get you stack some of those power ups, and I think you become a little it's bit a overpowered. Little, but a little, well, I still every now and then I go back to I don't know where it keeps, it's either pinned somewhere or tweeted somewhere that I go back to and watch that little clip of us like me hiding in the grass, the bush, destroying. and I'm just fucking throwing things everywhere. I can't even find you. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Like I laugh every time I watch it. It's really good. That's yeah, funny. I like how the official account. Also, like they ones. should win like a sub award for best implementation of like a I don't know what you'd call it, like a media kind of accessory to that game. Consider like with the gifts, gifts of making gifts out of that. Like it was so easy and so well done. That's, that's the future of gaming. That is these make mm-hmm. it easy to make gifts. Damn that's straight. a that's a good because we have now no one ever thought like to ask can the xbox series x or ps5 just make uh can you output footage hey xbox gift that yeah 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 i actually that is a <laughs> i'll be <laughs> highly disappointed if you like because at most the mo- most you can do on the current consoles is literally just trim a clip most upload it but you can't choose to 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 gif it what so. format? yeah yeah what format so i mean we've, also, we haven't seen anything about the playstation yet so that's right. Uh, we know what it looks soon, like on the inside. When they, when they do like a UI thing, <laughs> no UI. they release what the create button's going to do. Yeah. Yes. That'll be great. Uh, best serious game went to Kanana Quest. Kana Quest. Kana Quest, sorry. Um, but it, but it, but it, was it, was it, how's it? It's a puzzle game that teaches you how to read <laughs> Japanese uh, hira, hira, Hiragana. Hiragana? Hiragana. Got him. Okay. Got him. Ten, 10 out of 10. Smashed it. Most serious game. So, in other words, it's a uh, learning game. It's a game about learning. Uh, best AR slash VR game went to Shooty Shooty Sky. Sorry, Jesus Christ. Shooty Skies Overdrive from Mighty Games Group. Uh, this is yeah, it's, it's Shooty Skies, but in VR and you shoot things. And apparently, Nazi's in the trailer, which I did not know until just now because I never watched this. There you go. There you go. Shout Smart. Out. There yeah. we are. Uh, Australia's mm-hmm. biggest VR Twitch streamer, I guess. Yeah. Uh, best narrative under a star cold sun by Cecile Richard. Uh, a sci-fi bitsy game about grieving, holding on to fa- fading memories, and carrying the world on your shoulders. Uh, it sounds cool. Looks cool. It's so available it's, on itch. It's available on itch. It's only like five ten minutes long. Uh, oh, really? It's pretty much just a short story. Uh, Do you play it? Yeah, I played it like like maybe an hour before this podcast, knowing that we'd probably talk about this. There. Um, but yeah, something to play and experience. Uh, we've seen uh, we've seen some of her work. She did. She had the Continental Drift thing that was at the next exhibit at PAX last year. I oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So she makes similar kind of games to this. So experiences, uh, yeah. experiences. Yeah, little stories and that kind of thing. So yeah, uh, surprising to to see it win though over. Uh, Necro Barista and Quantum Suicide, which are both uh, visual novels, really. Well, I mean, I haven't played. Well, no, hold on. I've played Necro Barista. I've played Quantum Suicide. I haven't finished either. But um, maybe, maybe they're, they're as a whole, their narrative isn't as solid as you know. You're saying this is only five to ten minutes, but is it five yeah. to ten minutes that's rock solid? You know, like it's it's a yeah. Every minute counts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Every frame matters. Yeah. Yeah, so kind of. I didn't know it was that short, so that it moves yeah. up the, well, the well, list. Well, guys, let's fast. stop recording. You've played the game. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was like, say, if, let's if, everybody pause. We'll, I, we'll, if I knew it was only five minutes, me. I might have I might have played it before I recorded as well. 
best music went to Riot from Pond Games. Riot is a high-speed precision platformer. Got him. Love it. Uh, best mobile game. Crossy Road Castle. <gasps> from Hipster Whale. Crossy, Crossy Road winning at 10 out of 10s everywhere. This, is this the one that was at PAX last year or is it a different one? I don't remember. This, this is Crossy- a different one. Different. Yeah, so this one's on Apple Arcade. So. Yeah. I don't know if I've played this one. I feel like I've played several Crossy Road games, but I don't know if I've played this one. I, d- I know they had one on show at PAX last year that was a multiplayer one, so maybe one, I don't remember. Uh, best be. on- ongoing game went to World of Tanks for Wargaming in uh, Sydney here. This is quite funny to see because you, you forget that uh, there's a, uh, a big Wargaming, uh, big World of Tanks dev team located in uh, within Australia, Sydney. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I knew someone that used to be into that game back when I, the manager of my local Guff used to be fucking. I was going to say when you went to it. Guff. <laughs> yeah, he was fucking obsessed with it when it came out. He tried to get me to play it, and I, 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 I could not get into it. No. Uh, you were like, do, do I have to heat creeps in the tanks? And yeah, I was like, like, what do I no. do? No. He's like, well, no, it was one of those things. He always tried to get me to play it, but he never liked League of Legends either. So our, our middle ground, when, my middle ground when I game with him is we both come to terms on Battlefield, so that was our... Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. so we, we could be friends there. Uh, and then Game of the Year went to Moving Out by SMG Studio. So, of course, Moving Out is the, uh, the co-op... Uh, game obviously inspired by uh, Overcooked to some degree, where you got to uh, team up to move furniture. Out. I, I only ever played the demo; I haven't actually played the full game yet. But uh, it's quite ridiculous. You can chuck fucking furniture out windows, break glass. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> Watching the uh, highlight reels in this the uh, broadcast, that game gets pretty hectic and uh, a bit in more the, crazy. In the further levels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not it just houses, you know. It it didn't have um online cop so not that i believe yeah. shot the bed there as far as the, if it did i reckon i would have picked it up launch day and been like okay someone plays with me you know like well probably fucking buddy watson but there was like he would have been fucking nagging me to play it I'll tell you what, in like the next 12 24 months so many online co-op games <sighs> Too many. Well, co- couch co-op games are going to take a huge hit you know True. Seeing as nobody can go to each other's couches. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then some of the other awards where Studio of the Year went to League of Geeks. I think they've won last couple so of years. So they, they, the, they did Armello. The, yeah. Uh, Which I have game. played. Okay. I have played and um, I didn't love it, but it's... It's, it's kind of cool. Uh, Rising Star Award went to Meredith Hall and Jared Fakar Nicole. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm saying that right, aren't I? Yeah, I'm looking at you for help, Ash, but thank you. Uh, <laughs> bail them out, bail them out. Uh, the Rising Star Award honors those who have made significant contributions to Australian games industry in the past one to five years. They've become invaluable members to the community and show great talent in the field, constantly working to facilitate uh, better game uh, community. So I knew who Meredith was because um, she works at film victoria she has the last couple of years or whatever it was and before then she was working at um i remember one of the vr she was doing like pr for one of the vr things uh i did not know who jared was but uh obviously deserving of the award i can't i can't hype him up i'm sorry i'm like, just like I, I don't i don't know i try my best i, I congratulations though there you go uh game connect award game connect award yeah 
Uh, Ella McIntyre? Yep. Yeah, surely. Uh, each year, the GCAP would like to provide an award that is closely linked to the GCAP theme. This year's award is for an individual or individuals within the industry who have forged a path not only for themselves, but others within the industry and provided connections to ensure success both personally and professionally. Congratulations. All right, and then the last award was the Adam Lanceman? Lackman. Lanceman. Lankman? Okay. Yep. Uh, award. Went to Jane Truna Turner. Uh, the Adam Blankman Award, excellence in the industry, honors an individual or individuals who have helped the game industry advance to a better place, either through facilitating a better game community from within or reaching outside the industry to advocate for uh, video games. Um, congratulations to Jane Turner. Yeah, so that's the uh, the uh, the what's my call it was? I meant blank. Sorry. Great job, everyone. Game well Australian solid, game developers. Solid job. Yeah, uh, good, good, great night. Um, I don't know if they put the stream up to rewatch, but obviously, uh, Jordan Renker. Yeah, see now you've you've had to Ratatakowski <laughs> Ratatakowski yeah uh, hosted the events. Um, quite an amusing, amusing show. Say the least. Well, if you've ever watched uh, her stream, yeah, it's a yeah. fucking meme. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of uh, time in the Matrix, yep. and also a time riding a wish dragon. Uh, and she they, she also cut to Twitter with uh, people's uh, red carpet looks for yes. the event. Yes, you know, yes, you know, and the, the 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 uh, G cap. Uh, did a good job giving away codes in the chat and that kind of stuff. So I think it was like fifteen thousand, no, fifteen hundred concurrence at one point. So yeah, pretty solid. I was uh, I was at work, so I, or else I would have watched it properly. So I, I only opened up quickly to see a couple. I, th- I think I turned it on to see Matt, the Matrix thing happening in a in between thing. So I didn't actually get to see any proper show. But I was like, sure, this is a great <laughs> hosting gig. Um, but no, it, it, it's a good award show. Obviously, uh, it, it, I found it interesting. Kind of annoying, I guess, for some people who lived, didn't live uh, in uh, Sydney, I guess. You missed it would have been in Melbourne. It would have been... Was it Melbourne? Yeah, it would have been part of... It was. It's normally part of Melbourne International's Game Boys. Okay, yeah, but I They're don't know if they would... The they would, packs. Yeah. would have done it in Sydney this year. I don't know. Anyway, obviously COVID fucked everyone is, is, is my point, obviously. Yes, yeah, so that's, the, that's the main theme. Yeah, that's the main point. A lot of people getting dressed up, having uh, Zoom calls and whatever. I saw lots of people yeah. posting twi- Twitter Twitter pictures of them having Zoom calls with their colleagues or whatever, which I'm like, oh, that's cool, but also sad. I Like, obviously, if you work in the Australian games industry, this is probably one of the, the events you would look forward to every year. And obviously, it's a bummer that the... A lot of people didn't get actually didn't actually get to get together much. Uh, a, a lot of us who obviously go to PAX every year, posting around like this would have been our our week of once once a year where we all hear it the audio yeah. <laughs> 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 Once a year where you catch up with people or whatever. So I guess it's like a similar sort of thing. So yeah, uh, sad but nonetheless. Um, all right, so. I'm sorry, I just I I completely zoned out for there for a second because I fucking opened a Kataki. I'll tell you what, no offense to Kataki, but also offense to Kataki. I mean, I know it's not their fault. It's whoever does their fucking website design, but they have these autoplay fucking videos, and it, it drives me up the fucking wall. Like I don't even know where one's playing at the moment. Where's the sound coming from? 
I'm leaving this on. All right, I found it. Fuck these things. Also, this article on Batch Read is about right game shutting down, right? Which is serious. I'll talk about that for a second. But why the fuck is the the the, the video that this theme that should be played in the browser here for Tetris Effect? Like, I, I, I don't really? see the connecting Well, at factor. least it's Tetris Effect. <laughs> I've got one for a Mitsubishi hybrid car. Okay. But yeah, is that an ad? But so what's on after that? the video I've got underneath is God of War, 35 minutes of gameplay. Oh, so how do they decide these things? This, this is what this, this probably is probably based on auto generated. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, all right. So we got a couple of news stories. They're actually serious. So let's get let's let's get in. So firstly, Kotaku writes: Riot's Australia office and the Oceanic Pro League is shutting down. Riot Games, makers of games such as League of Legends, Valorant, and Legends of Runeterra, has announced the closure of Australian operations. The news immediately spread like wildfire among the local League of Legends scene, which has built up around the Oceanic Pro League, the professional circuit for. League of Legends in Australia. Not long after professional casters, teams, and players began subtweeting about the news, Wright confirmed that Oceanic Pro League was being dissolved, saying, quote, So today we are announcing the dissolution of the OPL and the closure of Wright's Sydney office as it primarily focused on operating the league. Wright said in the post, The closure comes after a year, a year after Wright began downsizing the OPL, and Wright directly said that the Australian market was no longer sufficient to support the OPL financially. Quote, unfortunately, despite the best efforts of our team and players, OPL has not met our goals for the league, and we do not believe that the market is currently able to support a professional league. Australia would still have a competitive lifeline in league, with OCE being added to the LCS from 2021 onwards, saying, quote, beginners with the 2021 beginning, sorry, with the 2021 season, we are adding OCE to the competitive territory for LCS, so OCE players will no longer take an import slot on LCS rosters. So that's like the one uh, little gleaming light of good news, I guess, for people who are trying to still play League of Legends uh, professionally within the uh, Australia's now that they are, uh, Australia's getting a, an actual seat on the the LCS table, I guess, but obviously sad to see this 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 go down. Uh, I wouldn't say that so I'm. Wait, what? As someone who doesn't know much about the league scene, what does that mean that they've got a seat at the LCA? Uh, so we're going to have our own. I mean, it says so they say we are adding OCA to the competitive territory for the LCS. So uh, they'll know. So as it says, that no longer take an import slot on the LCS rosters. So I think previously. So- L- LCS teams can just have uh, Australian contract. players can now Australian play in the LCS yes. as well as Australian teams yes. be viable and available to try and get into LCS as yeah. a spot. So now they can get um, now yeah. they can try and compete. Now Australia can try and get a competitive team on the LCS instead of Correct. trying to just get a onto like another team to 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 buy you basically. I guess you know. Like yeah. European pick pick you up type type thing. Uh, LCS is the um, the yearly round main League of Legends uh, competition. Of course, they have Worlds, but LCS is the like the club. Yes, it's a yes a world club challenge of yeah. I was, I was trying to Legends. think of like a sport analogy, but I don't actually. I don't have one, so I could, <laughs> you, you, you just fall into yeah. It. I, it's I, just fall into it. It's do. like um, as if uh, say. For some reason, France got added to the Premier League's kind of draft pool. So, like, Paris Saint-Germain could be in the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Got him. Uh, yeah, I, I found this quite interesting because I find it quite 
it, it, I know, it's, it's, it's like a, a weird seesaw among two things where you have Australia over the last couple of years picking up more and more esports type events. Obviously, we had the the Melbourne esports open pickup. Uh, obviously, it seemed like Melbourne was becoming a hub for esports. And I guess if you were to look at only all of that, you would say esport is esports is booming in Australia, you know. But then right saying that at least as far as League of Legends is is, is gone, that hasn't seen like a major. I think it's it's. A, I think 2020 has been a fucking well, that too. real setback for. But they did tell they did start downsizing last year before all of yes, COVID. Yes, they so. did. They did indeed. My other thing is, I don't think Australia right now has the esports support and community to run leagues that are ongoing and span over a number of months and weeks leading up to something. I think events like the um, the CS event and like the Melbourne Esports Open, they're they work really well because they're one-off events and um, it's a quick kind of increase and in insertion of money into their organization and they yeah. kind of make bank in that weekend and then they can move on. Whereas OPL has to set itself up to run over a long period of time to also integrate itself into the LCS and everything else going on in League of Legends. Um, and I think overall, sadly, Australia, because of the support system that's in Australia, because of the general consensus about esports, it's really hard for Australian teams get to the excel talent pool or the- to get the talent pool and to excel compared to other regions. Like I think the best possible re- uh, kind of team at the moment is um, I saw I think I saw Ben Green. You see the Ben Green or Elfish guy tweeted out um, in the last week about Australis, um, the best CS:GO team in the um, region, and probably who have made a really big impact everywhere else they go in internationally. But because 2020 has restricted that travel and they haven't really been able to play online tournaments without having like competitive integrity being a problem because of ping and because of the internet connections. Um, even though they have won or come second in a whole bunch of tournaments throughout the year, their earnings are only something like $62,000 for the year, which is, some might say, $62,000. That's, that's a lot of money, but that's like, well... That's equivalent to like one player's salary instead of when you're playing with teams of five and sixes where they've got coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think in many ways it's not sustainable. I think if maybe there was a way for League to or for Riot to instead of completely pulling the pin on OPL, make it more sustainable and make it more available so that grassroots players can grow and still kind of continue to expand themselves. Um I think at the moment, like off the top of my head, currently the greatest Australian esports player we've ever really had um, is Arna, who played for OG and won two internationals with um, with OG in the last in twenty nineteen and twenty eighteen, the first back to back champions in Dota two, um, and he's very well off. But to do that, he had to first he got picked up by a Chinese team, IG, as a youngster and go play for them, where he moved to China. Um, where luckily he had some kind of family connections and then after that he went he had to move all the way to Europe and and like it was the fact that he was Australian didn't really have much to do with the like with his Mm. ability to be able to rise up it was just the fact that he was the lucky Australian that managed to kind of get his foot in the door and force his way in and grow to grow to be probably one of the best Dota 2 carries in the history of that game um but that is one esports player out of 
thousands that are trying to make it, trying to get by. I think for the last couple of years, OPL's done a fantastic job in Australia, as well as the Overwatch Contenders League that's here in Australia. I think both of them have done fantastically for Australian esports. But at the same time, and, and Rainbow Six to a, a little bit of a lesser degree, I can't remember what their um, league is called, but um, even at the same time, I don't think there's enough. And that's that's not just based around what these companies are doing for esports, but it is the cultural view of esports in Australia still, as well as the infrastructure and support systems that are around it. Whereas, you know, we've already got, when you look over to America, you've already got, you know, universities that are doing collegiate scholarships based on esports, that mm. schools are embracing esports in terms of League of Legends or Overwatch or whatever game, having those games there equivalent to say for us here in australia joining the footy teams or playing basketball for your school and stuff like that i think we're still a long way off of those being embraced by schools here in australia and even just having the infrastructure such as internet and actual be able to buy computers that can run them because australian dollar woo um but it, it's just yeah we're, we are a long way off when it comes to esports and being able to grow the esports scene in this country yeah definitely I guess you hit the nail on the head as to why well, something like the Melbourne Esports Open can, can, is probably a good idea. And obviously, if you, if you can only manage to get a couple of... Uh, uh, if you... Sorry, lose my thoughts as I'm going. OPL, if it only has like two, three good teams and then like you make up the rest of the league with yep. bad to average teams, it's just not going to make for a solid... And, and like the only other point thing. is because the OPL is built for... Australian broadcast times, Australian broadcast times kind of suck if you're wanting to also get international viewers to tune in. Yeah, I think they would stream them at like seven or eight o'clock or something like that. I think it's in the evenings our time, which is often in America, that is like very early in the morning. Like 3 a.m. or something, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not. No, you get like a little bit of like a European audience, but. You know, that's not like but the, the thing bulk. is, if you're getting the problem is that is though is that then the European audience there's probably stuff going up in Europe at that time. Mm-hmm. It's it's just like a you're not able to kind of cut into that audience base too much to kind of sustain and fulfill your audience in itself. Yeah. Um, I think these esports events are great in terms of the Australian Open and stuff because it a the government can see hey this is helping tourism. Like, this helps tourism that this big events on. I love that. Bringing people into our cities. Fucking love that shit. They're like, damn, we love tourism. Great. If you're helping us with that, we'll, we'll give you money. Um, but at the same time, for people who maybe show interest in esports, but they're not the type of person that's going to tune into every stream of an esport that they really love, they, it's a really good event because they go, oh, esports. I like esports. I'm going to pay for a ticket and go to that for the weekend. It's, it's just, yeah, it's an easier commitment for them. Uh, continuing on, unfortunate Australian shutdowns. Kotaku writes, <sighs> GameSpot Australia has shut down. Some awfully sad news from the Australian game scene this morning. GameSpot Australia, which contains some of the longest serving writers and video editors, video editors servicing the Australian gaming community, has shut down. The shutdown affects the site's editor-in-chief, Edmund Tran, who has been with the GameSpot Australia team for 12 years. Jess McDonald, long-serving face of GameSpot's video content and one of the most veteran writers, uh, also has been let go after nearly nine years of the service. Eddie Muck, 
McCook, sorry, who was working as an associate editor for GameSpot out of the GameSpot Australian office, is still with the team. And there's a couple other people I've seen, uh, uh, James Mental Blank, his last name, but who writes news there. I know, I know I've seen him say he's kept his job. Uh, both were frequent faces in the Australian games community and made regular appearances hosting panels and shows at GameSpot's Theatre during PAX Australia. McDonald, Tran, the remainder of the GameSpot Australia staff and writers and those who have written for them before have always been incredibly gracious and hardworking throughout the years. The site's coverage of R18 Plus campaign in the early 2000s was of huge help in getting the classification regime changed and they've continued to peerlessly break stories and cover events for as long as I've been in the industry. By the way, this story was written by Alex Walker, just so you can get a perspective on that. Uh, the layoffs are not isolated to Australia, but tied to a broader and uh, broader round of redundancies tied into CNET Media Group's US $500 million sale to Red Ventures which is yet to be finalised. A post on the layoff and an anonymous forum for employees to communicate about upcoming redundancies indicated that all of the CBS properties, uh, CBSI, sorry, properties will be affected in the coming days, although for now the only redundancies impacting GameSpot staffers in Australia and abroad are publicly known. Uh, apparently the desk is reporting that 50 to 100 employees will receive redundancy notices by the end of next week so terrible news obviously i feel it's kind of i feel like it kind of says something about um like we've done this podcast we're about to hit 100 episodes and within that 100 episodes we have of two topics have come up games for australia shut down game form australia uh game form australia shut down there might have been something else, but you know what I mean. Like, it's, didn't IG? No, IG and Australia still going. They're still going, but they've, they've only ever been, yeah. been a team of three or four yes. people. Like, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's yeah. tiny, tiny, tiny. Um, but you know, it's it's yeah. I, th- I think like just thinking about the fact that so many uh of the big wigs, quote unquote, have like unfortunately uh, shut down within the hundred episodes of this show. Just to put that in like f- perspective of like a time frame, it kind of feels uh. Sad. I think what you're trying to say is you kill. We killed off Game Informer <laughs> Australia. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> oh, God. No, I was just, I was just, I, I think because I remember talking when obviously I, I thought the game Informer was the one that I was like, wow, this is fucked up. Like, um, if because yeah. if, if if any I thought could have survived, <laughs> you know, because because even the Game Informer team wasn't that big in Australia. So I remember when that happened, I was like, wow, yeah, this is insane um yeah but then GameSpot australia and i i i wouldn't have expected this either because i i thought you know and really i don't know fucking anything so take what i'm saying with like very small grain of salt but like obviously just from a outside looking in type thing i thought that GameSpot was chugging along just fine you know what i mean like you never Mm. like their content i feel like in a world where people they like they were they were pretty up to date. They had video, they did lots of great hits, I thought. I saw someone tweeting around how they apparently they do lots of hits, but not enough hits. And it's like if they don't do enough hits, then what is enough hits to survive uh, doing games journalism in the year twenty twenty or twenty twenty one, you know, like sad, sad, sad. Well, if you're a company that is look like a worldwide company that is looking to downsize, yeah. Uh it makes most sense to get rid of things that are more specific, like a team in Australia, a team in New Zealand, a team that 
caters specifically to that audience and cut back to just being the broadest possible message for everything. You know what I mean? I do, but I don't like it as an excuse because it's... No, I don't like it. I don't like, I don't like it, but I, that's the, I can understand the reasoning behind it. Uh, yeah, it's not great, but, you know, uh, a shame that we don't have a GameStop Australia site, but there are a lot of other smaller Australian sites that provide similar content. Probably not no. the exact same. But that, but, and the other yeah. thing I think that kind of puts perspective of how like kind of sad this is for the 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 Australian game scene is that I know like for a lot of uh for a lot of freelance writers in Australia, mm. often the majority of their stuff I would see get like getting published on GameSpot. Like that was the the big outlet that was left apparently with a freelance budget to get uh people's work to, to 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 publish and obviously edmund tran was the the editor there that, 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 that was doing all this yeah. stuff and i'd see his name come up a lot and people obviously a lot of people speaking high praise of of him following this and how that they they uh gave him their, their start and whatever else so th- with this gone i'm really like i feel bad for i guess gonna be yeah like what there is really no free i don't know where the freelance uh Community goes. Community yeah. goes to get work now. Like you know, at I mean? least in Australia, they'll have to like compete. Yeah, they'll have to compete for international stuff. But even then, a lot of those sites have very limited budgets. From what I can understand, a lot of them don't. You know, even IGN's like, oh, we don't do the, too no, many, like so many, too many things. You know, whatever else. But you know, so that was the thing that stood out the most to me. Like, obviously, I was like, oh, it's sad that people are losing their jobs, but. Then I was like, that is the place I saw the most freelancers getting work published, which kind of sucks. Paid work, for, yeah. Uh, yeah, paid work specifically. Yeah. Which is important, obviously, if you're, if you're, a, if you're a proper freelancer. If that, yeah, if you're a proper freelancer yeah. and that's the only source of income, yeah. then yeah, getting paid work is very important. Yeah. <laughs> uh, top of the list of things, yes, maybe. Top of the list. Um, so, yeah, absolutely uh, sad. I, yeah, I don't really know what else to say. It's, it's messed up. Messed up, messed up. Hopefully, you see these people land on their feet. I know, I know. I never like to be one of those people who's like, "Oh, they're real talent, talented." I'm sure they'll land on their feet because it's like, no, talented people get screwed over. Yeah, it's like, ta- yeah, it's like. Le- the, I hope they do, but at the same time, I don't think it's it, it's kind of naive to assume that everyone will. Um, but I hope they do. Anyway, all right, let's uh, have an intermission of something that I don't know. It's happy news. It's weird news, otherwise. Uh, so, Resident Evil movies are getting rebooted with an adaptation of the first two games. Taku writes, it's time to go back to Raccoon City again, this time in the new movie rebooting the Resident Evil series on screen universe. Constantine film, which made the existing Resident Evil movies, will work with writer-director Joe Johans Roberts to produce a film adaptation of the horror gaming franchise origin story. Deadline reported today. Maze Runner's Chaos... I don't know how to pronounce that last name. Scoladero? Scoladero, yeah. Got him. Player will play Claire Redfield. Ant-Man's Hannah John Cayman will play Jill Valentine. And uploads... I love how it's uploads Robbie Amell, by the way. Uploads Robbie Amell will play (laughs) Chris Redfield. And Zombieland Double Taps Avan Jogia? Jogia? I'm going with A or B. Uh, Will play Leon Kennedy. The project also reportedly has Neil McDonald of Yellowstone... Of Yellowstone, come on. Uh, Cast as William... Is that really his last name? William Birkin. 
Mm-hmm. I never knew that character's last name. Uh, anyway, uh, Tom Hooper of the Umbrella Academy will be playing Hopper. Albert West, Westbra. Westbra. There you go. Sorry, what did I say? Tom Hopper. Tom Hopper? What did I say? Hooper. Hooper? Hooper? Yeah, go on. Say it. Hooper has two O's. Yeah, like it's, it's, I think Tom Hooper's a real person. Uh, so, Probably. quote from Roberts. Uh, with this movie, I really want to go back to the original first two games and recreate the terrifying visual experience I had when I first played them, whilst at the same time telling a grounded human story about a small, dying American town that feels both relatable and relevant to today's audience. Um, to make things confusing, as they point out here, this isn't this apparent reboot isn't to be confused with the live-action Resident Evil Netflix series that is also currently in production, or the CGI series that's also coming to streaming platforms and was recently showed off in the new trailer <laughs> at TGS. Kieran, how do you feel about this? Uh, the, the cast and the idea of this new Resident Evil movie. I, I look the Resident Evil. Somebody, I don't know. Of course, everybody's going get, for some reason. It started again with going game versus Resident Evil. We also WTF about the Netflix theories and the proposed storyline for that, and how little to know brothers and sisters makes, or whatever it was. Or yeah, like kids and yeah. they're in fucking some place in Raccoon City or whatever. It feels weird that this is adapting both. Is this so? Just to get what I've the article straight. They're adapting the first two games within the same movie. Yes. That, for me, is a little bit weird. But at the same time, I don't know how well the second game would transition into a movie, kind of. Um, I guess my only sticking point is um, the uh, is Avan uh, Hoya uh, for uh, Leon. It's the only one that I'm like, I struggle to see it, but at the same time, it'll probably be, you know, I'll probably watch it and he'll be Leon by the end of the movie. It's just I, for now in terms of casting. The other thing I feel like is the games are sort of campy. Even like the, the recent remakes are rather campy. Yes, so to make much. them, Which is weird about video games where they can have these really rather silly scenes, but then the games are still scary. Like they, they hold the yes. scare factor amongst the silliness. Whereas I think obviously if you're going to, if you want to do the movie and actually make the movie scary, you kind of have to make it a lot more serious. Well, you can't have as much silliness or else it'll like disengage like, the audience. It's like, you know, one of the scariest creatures in Resident Evil is called a liquor. Yeah. And it has a giant ass tongue. And you would, like, to anybody who, you know, if I was to ever describe it to somebody and be like, they know Pokemon, but they I'm like, it's like a horrified Lickitung. Like, that is, it's 100% that's what that is. And, you know. The other thing is. Sounds. When you think about, like, everyone talks about the first game. They're like, oh, the most scariest scene is when those dogs jump through that window, right? Dogs jump through the window. Because everybody craps themselves. Because. But it's it's like, how do you shoot that scene? If you try and recreate that same level of scare. You're not going you to. Can't. Yeah, you're not going to because <laughs> it's everybody. Not that scary. You would almost that scene. You would almost do in a way where it's a bit of a nod or a wink to, yeah. um, to fans rather than trying, trying to, to have it. Yeah, because it just wouldn't be that scary or, on like film. Yes. Like, I don't think so. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, but I think the rest of the cast is really solid. It's just that that Leon casting, and, and for me, I think, I guess looking at it, it depends on how much of a part he plays in this with it being an amalgamation of the first two games. Um, just because I think maybe Leon is the most kind of attached character that everybody has to Resident Evil because of how 
heavily features in, you know, being one of the leads in Resident Evil 2, but then also being the lead in Resident Evil 4, which is probably by far everybody's, like, a majority of Resident Evil fans' favourites going forward and going into it. So, um, I'm I'm open to it. I'm looking forward to it. Like, you know what? I didn't hate a lot of the past franchises um, Resident Evil. You know, they went batshit crazy with some of the uh, kind of virus effects in it. But other than that, I'm kind of glad it's going back to its roots a little bit, though. Yep. We shall see. There's fucking too many Resident Evil things happening at the same time. I'm gonna, I'm, I can guarantee I'm going to get some of these three things confused at some point over the next several months, but nonetheless. Um, all right, so... Can I say my piece? Oh, I was going to ask you because it's horror-related. Like and- what I would say... <laughs> Uh, great cast, r- really solid cast. A lot of good actors in there. Uh, Jonas Roberts, less confident about. Uh, he directed <laughs> F in 2010, 77% Rotten Tomatoes. Not bad. 2011, he directed Roadkill. There's one review, it's negative. He's got an audience score of seven. 2012, he's directed Storage 24, 42% Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, 2016, he directed The Other Side of the Door, 35%. Uh, 2017, he did, uh, 47 meters down, which is a probably one everybody knows him from. Uh, 53% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, 2018, The Strangers, Prey at Night, 39%. And then 47 meters down, Uncaged, 45%. You know what I'll say? What do these Rotten Tomatoes people know? You know what I'm saying? No, well, it's an aggregator what? of <laughs> scores by a lot of professional <laughs> critics. Uh, highest box office draw, $44 million. So. Are you going to watch this then? No. <laughs> I'm just probably well maybe I have watched the first Resident Evil, the Miller Fitch movie that, that came out twenty like, years that, ago. That one is That uh, one's trying to be scary at least. It attempts it to be scary. <laughs> it's more of an action movie though. Yeah. Hey, at the time, the like the CG effects of the uh, that like, laser beam thing scared fu- like that freaked me the fuck out. That dude falling into prison yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah, whatever. Like, that was How old would I have been? Twelve? Good. I don't know. Anyway, freaked me the fuck out. Great soundtrack, though. <laughs> Great soundtrack. I can't remember. No? Oh, come it's on. It's also the, like, the only other thing I can remember Letty from... That uh, came out in 2002, so 18 years ago. There you go. And Michelle Rodriguez. It's like the only other thing I remember her being in other than Fast and Furious. That's disrespectful to Michelle Rodriguez, who I think you'll find has a large and big... She probably like, does. Do you, pro- do you not remember her in Machete? No, I don't. Damn. You no. don't remember in one of the highest grossing movies of all time, Avatar? Crap, she was in Avatar. <laughs> Holy crap. Okay. There you go. How dare you? <laughs> she was in SWAT. How dare you? Blue Crushed. There you go. You're losing me. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's stop before Kieran goes, oh, wait, that Battle wasn't Michelle Rodriguez. That was Jordana I Brewster. was thinking of Mila Kunis this yeah, entire they, time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, all right, so Epic and Apple, just an update on their story. PC Gamer writes, the trial between Epic Games and Apple will begin on May 3rd, 2021, according to a court filing made on October 6th, which also confirms, as requested, the case will be adjudicated via a bench trial. There will be plenty of relative action ahead of the start of the trial, however, including a case management conference, basically a pre-trial hearing intended to help streaming streamline trial issues. They'll take place on October 19th. Interestingly, it hasn't yet been decided whether the trial will be held in person, virtually, or in some combination thereof, as a result of COVID-19 pandemic. 
Uh, that will be determined close to the actual trial date. A pre-trial conference will be held on April 21st, 2021. Uh, so um, there's not much to discuss here, but I just want to say who actually is surprised. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I knew they were kind of taking it seriously, but I kind of expected someone to, I guess, uh, fumble okay. away. Okay. Yeah. 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 But now that they're so actually set trial dates, I'm like, okay. So apparently from what I was reading and I was, I heard about this and so I started to do some reading into it. Apparently the Epic is extremely lucky that this has been sent to a jury. Because their arguments and their general case was garbage, and the, if it was the judge was going to rule right there and then, they would have just ruled it towards that. Uh, yeah, I can see, I can see that. Like the thing for this, as much as everyone always likes to be like on epic side, and of course as we discussed it, but from a like random judge looking at the case, Apple was always going to win because they had in the fine print. And Epic's just like, we don't like your fine print. It's basically their whole argument. But the judge is going to go, <laughs> but like, it doesn't matter if you dislike the fine print, the fine print's the fine print, and you agreed to it. So, thump, thump in favor of Apple, you know? So, it's interesting they're still trying to take it to trial because I will still say until I see evidence as of otherwise that they'll, I mean, if they fight this really hard and win, I guess I'll be surprised. But, I'm still. I'm, I'm not on Apple's side, but if I'm picking a winner, I'm picking Apple. Honestly, at the moment, being logical they're, and realistic, the, about I think it. they're the bookies' favourites. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna look at it that way. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. It's interesting one. Uh, whether it's again, Epic was just hoping Apple would cave and change their terms and services, uh, or whether is Epic trying to make a bigger move, like. Are they looking to get legislation changed? I think that's what they're trying. Stop Apple. I think they're trying to get the legislate. They're trying to do something that would, because they can't win on a basis of like straight up. They have to be trying to make a bigger move, like legislation wise. Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's you know it's like the first move in what they're having to do to kind of get some kind of change in this space. Because honestly, there is a lot of. Um, there's a lot of change going on. I'm still interested to see or hear what Apple does about Amazon's um, game service using their web browser and not going through their app store. Apparently, um, xCloud is looking to do the same yeah, thing. Pr- yeah. yeah. I'm interested to Listen, see. I look what forward Apple to being able to play that. Fortnite on my browser. But on my phone. Apple doesn't. The thing is, Apple doesn't like that kind of thing where you're, somebody is circumventing their system. They hate. They that can't shit. win that court they, case though. Like, there's no. Well, yeah, they can't. <laughs> yeah, they, they, there's nothing they can no, do. No, but about I it. wouldn't be surprised if Apple did something to stop people from using it, using that functionality. Uh, I don't know. We'll be surprised. I, at the moment, Apple, like, I guess to play devil's advocate a little bit. So, so far, everything Apple's done has literally just been, hey, these have like our rules have been the same for like a very long time, and you were breaking. You're trying to break our rules, Epic. Like, the, so if they were to swing around now and like try and make new rules to stop people using the Safari web browser or something, then I think every that would be very bad because then quickly, I think everyone would quickly pile on Apple and say, "All right, there's no like, there's no playing devil's advocate on this one. Like, That's hey, fucked. You, yeah, <laughs> you're still gonna make a ton of money just because these services that weren't giving you money yeah. are gonna make money somewhere else. You're not getting a cut." I mean, yeah. 
I don't know. We shall, we shall find out. Of course, there's mumps, pre-trials, all these things they're talking about. Uh, if we get all the way to May next year and we're talking about the, the court case, they'll, they'll be a It'll first. be... Well, the, the court case isn't probably going to be until July next year. If it ever happens. Yeah, so they'll have so, first things and then they'll delay it for another yeah, month. Yeah, yeah. Month or two, and then they'll keep delaying it. If they don't win, they'll take it up the court of appeals. Yeah, exactly. No? Yeah, it's not a long and journey. And then we need to find out what are these just Supreme Justices' uh, opinions on this this matter. During the Congo, the <laughs> America Congress. has enough to deal with over the Judicial. next uh, six months. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> get Roe v. Wade, yeah. Apple vs. Epic. Yeah. That joke works better in America. I'm looking forward to the inevitable documentary on all this. Uh, all right, last news story for this week is just another little bit of an update one that I found quite funny. But Amazon shuts down Crucible only five months after its launch. That's well, Kotaku. Uh, Amazon has struggled to break into video game development for a while, and the 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 release then unreleased nature of Crucible was a perfect example. But less than five months after the game first shift shipped, Amazon has now pulled the plug entirely. In a development update, the Crucible team announced that, quote, we will be dis- discontinuing development. It comes only after a few months the game was effectively pulled from release and parked into a closed beta state, which was designed to give the studio the space and re- room to rebuild the game. Quote, we, were, we very much appreciated the way that our fans have rallied around our efforts and we've loved seeing your responses to the changes we've made over the last few months. But ultimately, we didn't see a healthy, sustainable future ahead of Crucible, said the team. But unlike New World, which found some popularity among streamers, that is of an Amazon game, and Crucible never got off the ground, and now the game will remain another instance of Amazon's troubles breaking into the video game market uh so this is fucking weird like hey so uh for for 99 of the audience what was crucible it was their uh the, their mmo thing or whatever it was crucible was a moba yeah mo- yeah that's one was a hero it wasn't a moba sorry it was a hero shooter so it was overwatch slash more akin to that other one that i tried to queue into and i couldn't find a game for battleborn there we go battleborn the, the one um you know, it is, you know, um, if we Battleborn and Crucible were to, we did talk about it at least once when it came yeah. out and it was like, hey, that's going to fail. That's just like yeah. Battleborn. And it's Here's an official to description. Watch, I went is- to the website. Crucible is a team. Sorry, I got them back to front. New, new World then. Never mind. Crucible is a team based action shooter driven by the choices you make. Pick a hunter and join a match. You'll need to coordinate with your teammates, take advantage of new upgrades as you level and adapt to ever changing battle conditions to emerge victorious. Had some cool character designs. I'll give it that. Like if you, if I'm looking for a, uh, they always do. Looking for a, yeah. I mean, I guess that's the one thing. <laughs> you kind of have to. If, if those games don't come out with uh, interesting characters, they are instantly screwed. Listen, Dude. I look forward to the eventual Smash like game that has all of these hero characters in the, the same. No, because nobody's going to remember them. Exactly. Nobody's going to. Do you remember, think anybody no. remembered who Ness was until? True. How do we feel about the fact that Amazon's trying to launch a... Who knew who Steve was? How do we feel about Amazon launching a streaming <laughs> service? Steve alone. And the fact that they can't <laughs> even launch and keep their games afloat. Does that bode well for how well their uh, inevitable streaming service you think is going to go? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but that's going to have the power of Amazon Prime. That's true. Uh, behind it, I suspect. That's true. And... 
I just feel like they didn't do enough advertising. That was a problem. Maybe it's because we're here in Australia. Uh, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of uh, if you watch Twitch, I think he was getting ads for it when it launched. A lot of ads for it when it launched, which is a lot of Twitch streamers were given you know codes and whatever. Hey, can you can you can you just stream yeah. this for a couple of hours? Thanks. He's no, but like you know the pre-roll for your Amazon when you're watching a video, just stick it in there. Like no, nah, it was the thing was what like going into that space now is kind of a death sentence. It's yeah. like why you don't see that many battle royales coming out anymore because it's kind of like battle yeah. royale kind of defined by Fortnite. Like right. it's you yeah. know you know Warzone's made its own little well, niche there's, in there's there. Three. You got Fortnite, you got Apex, you got Warzone. There's like. Uh, Spellbreak. Spellbreak now has a, know, a, a niche. Uh, there's a small cult following for like play for Battlegrounds. Still, and there's but, you know some like people like, still holding. Uh, what was the the original one? Player unknown. Player Battlegrounds. Player Some people still holding onto that one. Yeah. Like like even the then, same like, hundred people every time. We we're currently seeing is it Spellbound? No, Spellbreak. Spellcraft. Spellbreak. Spell that's the one which I think is when I look at it very interesting. It's 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 a very different concept. It, it's using its own merit, and I think it is getting some success at the moment. So it's I like think if Hyperscape you're going to doing okay as well. The yes. Ubisoft well, company. Hyperscape I'm seeing less of very quickly. Yeah. Compared to what it was like maybe a month or two ago when the beta was going, um, I think we're we're getting to a point where it's like okay, best not. You know, unless we've got a really unique idea, it's really hard to pull off in this kind of climate now. Mm. And then the hero shoot is even harder genre to break into. Yep, very much I mean, so. Overwatch just kind of dominates it. Just- what was the uh, uh was it the one that we had on Xbox? Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, freaking! I looked at it the other day when I was uh, wiping my Xboxes from Ninja Theory. Yep, that one. Yep. That's mm-hmm. the one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember that the fucking the one. name. It was, it was Melee. That tried to be yeah. different. Um, I, I enjoyed playing that for all of a week. Yeah. Uh, Fuck. <laughs> look, just just give me... Riff for a second. Riff, guys. I'm just uh, opening my game pass <laughs> on my... I mean, it really speaks... I can't believe I can't... To, it speaks I can't believe I don't remember the name. Did it have, like, Fist or something know. in the name? No. Didn't no. it have, like, Punch in the title or, like, Melee or something? Uh, something. So, give me a second. Give me a moment. I'm trying to think. I don't know. Ninja Theory. Presents. And then, can you think of another hero shooter other than Bleeding Edge? There we, there we go. go. Bleeding there Edge. Go. That, that was it. There's no other. No, not everything else is Battleborn's the other one that you know died a horrible death. Um, well, another hero shooter that actually does well. Apex Legends. That isn't a hero shooter though. That's kind of it's a, a hybrid, hybrid but I mean, it's literally the only other one. It still does that, well. Yeah, but it it does well. But at the same time, it's like there was. Um, what was Unreal uh, freaking, like the Unreal that tournament version? Well. The Quake that version? Quake well. Champion, which never did anything. Um Ra- Rainbow Six. Siege. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Siege is yeah. and but the thing is Siege is like night and day to Yeah, but I mean like if you so, want to compare these are all very different games, but that's obviously why they're successful in their own holes. Apex, Overwatch, and Rainbow Six. They're all hero shooters. They're all very different from yes. one another. And that's why they're all hero shooters that are yeah. working because they've all got their own little uh, pocket of gamers because they're all different. Yeah. So if crap. you try and put out an Overwatch clone, it's just not going to work the way you put out a Zelda clone, you'll find an audience. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Because, you, because you're not Zelda- relying on there being an audience to play it. 
and also people aren't still playing. Like if they're playing the Zeldas, they probably either finished it and yeah. they're playing it. For they're like, where's another one? Give me, yeah, give me another one. Yeah. Whereas Overwatch is like it doesn't have yeah, that finite no kind of gaming. That's experience. the problem with the game. Yeah, it's just you can just keep going. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> hey, I got myself out of it. Not gonna lie, I've kind of been playing it a little bit last it's, couple of days. It's, it's almost up. a year. Okay. Between, I love between, the idea of you going an entire year without like drifting back into Overwatch, and then right as new consoles are coming out and everything's getting excited, you're like get hooked back up by fucking Overwatch. Well, no, no, no. I've only been dabbling it as like I don't plan on playing ranked or anything. It's like I've been watching Dota 2 esports again, which is very ironic considering the last time I seriously played Dota or cared about Dota, I was living in this house, Ooh. and then three years later I moved back and I instantly start watching Something Dota again. Is like. It's mm. like, mm, okay, I'm like regenerating or whatever it is. Regenerating. Whatever it is. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Regenerate. No, it's Regressing. not that word. Regressing. That's the one. That's the big word. Regenerating. <laughs> anyway, that was it for the news. All right, let's talk about the one thing that uh, you have been playing, which is a little bit of the Boulders Gate 3. So Larian Studios' latest uh, release is an early access. Uh, it's their follow-up to Divinity Original Sin 2, which, of course, you know, highly high critical acclaim, a lot of love for that game. So I think a lot of people who didn't play Baldur's Gate 2 or 1 uh, who have come off Divinity Original Sin 2 are probably coming into this. I, uh, at least that's what I could tell from Twitter. Uh, Kieran, you've put the most time into it. Do you want to explain what Baldur's Gate is, why it's special, and what Baldur's- your initial impressions are? Sure. Baldur's Gate is a is it isometric. No, it's like 2.5. Uh, isometric 2.5, whatever. Um, Top-down RPG. Uh, much in the same, very same vein as Divinity. I think um, playing through it, you do see a lot of Divinity shining through in this game, just with um, a lot more added Dungeons and Dragons mechanics. Baldur's Gate is the Dungeons and Dragons RPG. Um, the last installment, Baldur's Gate 2, was released in 2000, so 20 years ago. Um, and within kind of the Dungeons and Dragons fan base, and a lot of people who played it, it's a very well received RPG. It just you know, Dungeons and Dragons, especially in the 2000s, had a very kind of painful death where it uh, regressed slightly. Yeah, using regressed again, look at me. Um, but since then, um, in the recent, like, last five years, um, shows such as Critical Role, Acquisitions Incorporated, um, have really kind of brought D&D back to the foreground of pop culture. Um, and D&D is quote-unquote cool again um, with, you know, there's a lot of big names playing it and kind of talking about it now. So I think that's been used as an opportunity to make Baldur's Gate and Larian Studios is the perfect team to really work on it. Um, Baldur's Gate gives you a Dungeon Dragons adventure where you create your character in maybe my favorite character creator in all of video games um it's very detailed it is captures a lot of the essence and the the passion that's put into D character creation um at the moment there is only um a limited amount i think there's only six classes and maybe nine races off the top of my head maybe 10 races so, yeah. um to play um there's only a couple subclasses for each of the classes to pick from at the moment um but there's a lot of customization to it a lot of building your own characters um that is fantastic and it's a great role-playing experience where much like you know your dragon ages is probably the the modern version of this um you are adventuring through a grand fantasy world collecting party members um and kind of gathering people together it has a 
has complete multiplayer, so you can play through the whole thing with two players. Um, you each, when you play, instead of in the single player mode, you would have three companions with you. In this mode, you would have two companions, but each of you, like one companion each, and you're each responsible just for your own companion, really, in terms of fighting and gameplay. Um, I think this game's fantastic. Like, I think this, even though it's released in early access, there's a lot of there's a reason this is in early access and this wasn't released because if this was released like this there'd definitely be problems like this there'd be a lot of ooh, like it's 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 almost like bethesda quality of like it looks really good it looks amazing but there's just a lot of graphical bugs and character models where the mouths don't move and characters just not appearing or being like half sunken into the ground or just things being stuck on the screen um but at the moment, so about a month out, it was said, "Hey, we're not gonna, we're gonna put this game out in early access. Still have to pay you ninety dollars on Steam, um, but you only get access to the first twenty hours of the game and the first act." Um, I have played through the first maybe five six hours twice, one single player and one multiplayer, um, and there's a lot of diversity to this game. There is this awesome randomness to this game because of how dice rolls are incorporated. Everything is done on dice, just like Dungeons and Dragons. You don't have to do any math or anything. It just does it in the background. But all the damage that your character does, how well you achieve a task or a choice, is all based on dice rolls. So even though, you know, comparing it to, say, your Mass Effects or your Dragon Ages, where you know, okay, my Paragon score is really high. So if I make a Paragon choice, it's going to work no matter what. I could be like, okay, my rogue, his charisma is really high and he has a persuasion skill, um, but doesn't mean I'm instantly going to succeed at it and I can fuck that up. Um, choices are either obvious where you get a big dice roll kind of pop up and you roll the dice, um, or other checks are more passively done, like perception checks where you're kind of seeing what information your character takes in around you um, is actually done through um kind of just a little symbol appears above your head and it tells you if you pass or fail and it shows you what you kind of it'll reveal extra things like a hidden button or different information about the map um i think this game does a fantastic job at integrating dungeons and dragons in a video game format i think um you know dungeons and dragons the beauty of it is how limitless and how unrestricted that game is so to, to, in terms of bringing that into a, into video games where Let's be honest, it is restrictive because you're restricted by the gaming code. You're restricted by what somebody's already typed in, by what's generated in the game. For them to bring that into this game in such a way is really good. Um, the multiplayer has a long way to go, but at the same time, I think it's got the most potential. Um, in terms of the story, you're still treated like there's only one character, um, but you're not tethered to each other. You can go around making your own choices and and interacting not only with other NPCs in the world, but also each other's characters. There's moments where you talk to each other and have discussions. Um, I think it's fantastic. Like I'm, I'm super excited to keep playing and keep diving into it. I think the character models look fantastic in this game. I think there's hasn't been a character I've looked at yet and said, hey, that's a sucky character model, or that's something that's been done in 20 seconds with somebody, had not 20 seconds, but very quickly compared to some more detailed characters in the game. It's, it's the environments are pretty to look at. It's, there's interesting things where, you know, you randomly walk into an area and you see a little kid randomly walking towards some water and you're like, oh, okay, and they're singing. And it's just, yeah, all of a sudden, of course, you're walking into trying to save this kid from some harpies. 
as they're trying to lure him into the ocean to kill him. And you're like, well, this is a random event, but it captures the essence of Dungeons and Dragons, where these random things can happen, where it's like, oh, do you want to go exploring this random set of ruins that are here? You can if you want to. Like, it's completely up to you when some really random things happen inside that ruin or inside that dungeon. But you don't have to go and do it. It's completely optional, and it's just done in a way that feels so much more expansive and... It's not like, you know, you don't walk up to Quest Giver and say, Hi, Quest Giver, can you please give me a quest, sir? And the Quest Giver goes, Yes, yes, I certainly can. Uh, go over to there and pick up this object and then bring it back to me. Jolly good. Um, there's a lot more kind of free-flowing storytelling and giving you the opportunity to to go and help or go do things and explore the world for yourself and, and make up your own mind what you're going to do. So I'm absolutely loving it. The two different characters I'm playing are playing a fighter and a rogue. Um, there is enough kind of variability, there is enough of the D&D aspects in this game that, for me, I think this this game's absolutely awesome, and I'm really happy with it so far. Ash, how much have you played? What's your impressions? Yeah, I think I've put like maybe two, three hours in, uh, just got past pretty much the opening uh, segment. I think from a story perspective, it's like really smart and like really interesting opening where you're on this Mind Flayer ship, Mm-hmm. Um, which in itself is a crazy notion, I think, within D and D. This flying in D itself, it's like holy shit! Flying mind ship have a ship with mind flayers and tentacle arms sticking out. Oh, of it. just having that as like your opening thing is just insane. It's like and oh, the, okay, yeah. this is. If you watch the opening cutscene, it's like obviously animated beautifully. It's uh, amazing. And, and the thing is, you get this mind flayer tadpole gets stuck in your eye into your brain. Um. And that's the reason behind your party sort of getting together. Uh, they've all got this kind of common goal, even though they're all kind of different characters, you know, and not Can I necessarily. Say, the party, the writing for those characters is almost excellent. Like, there's not any... Almost excellent. <laughs> almost excellent. There's, but there's no, like, there's no predictable archetype kind of characters in mm. terms of RPGs where you know you're going to be like, okay... I'm going to get the lawful straight man that is just wants to be good. And that's like normally in games, you get like a party and half your party are good guys. So far, half my party are like douchebags where I'll do something yeah. good. And the list of people disapproving <laughs> will be longer than the approvals. It's like, Oh, this is okay. This is just different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I haven't got too much further than that, but yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. Obviously there are some glitches, people's faces going through other people's faces and that kind of stuff. Um, Combat is obviously really interesting with that turn-based, uh, very D&D style. Uh, I was playing a wizard uh, with doing all the magical <laughs> abilities and that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and then with very low HP, so getting downs constantly. Um, <laughs> uh, did you name yourself and, after your yeah, Tales of Felon like, character? Or? I was going to ask. Did that, you? Uh, yes, it is. I, I just awesome. remodeled That's completely, right. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. I'll probably, I don't know if I'll keep playing. I'll like wait until the final. Well, uh, th- everything yeah. comes out. I was gonna uh, say the final. The final thing's probably still a year away. So is this like a, oh, I've had my fill. Yeah. I'll wait here, or I've had my fill. I'll wait like a couple months. Dive back in for a couple of hours. Then like every kind of big update, or like what do you reckon, Ash? I feel like that's probably where I'm gonna. I might dive back in if there's like a big update or something. I feel like there is a number of improvements they could be making. Uh, even it, I mean, even the character creator thing. I mean, there could be more options to say how to mold the faces and that kind of thing. Yes, but I think yeah. they probably don't want to go too far into that. Um, 
because, you know, then they'd start having these weird people compared to the actual models of your party and that kind of thing. I feel like there needs to be, I don't know whether, obviously it's not a and d thing, but like having a choice is designing how your character is going to talk and react and that kind of thing. Like obviously the choices yes. they give you are like, none of these really fit the character that I'm going for and that kind of thing. So I think it's, um, at, well, at the minute you don't have to, in the character code, you don't choose alignment. So you don't select if you're going to be a good yeah. guy or a bad guy or what kind of character is. You are limited. I think there's only four voices to two for each kind of actually no i think all four voices could be used for any kind of yeah, character you're they're pretty making. neutral um they're pretty neutral in terms of gender and everything um i think there's there's for me honestly it's a case of i'm like i keep making choices and being like oh no nah, i need to i need to play that like i need to do that with a different character somewhere or you know while i was playing multiplayer a vampire came over and asked my other my friend's character hey can i suck your blood and I was like, you're an idiot. You should have asked my character. His character's like <laughs> this lawful good dwarf cleric. I'm this dumb as shit rogue that's like, yeah, man, suck my blood. Like, I'm totally down with that. Like, it's just these funny things where, um, you know, I, I mentioned in my early impressions how I love failure in D&D and explaining that. But it's it's those things where I, once again, it's always me making the screw-ups in my multiplayer game. I don't... Look, I've had... My, my friends had a talk with me and said, hey, you need to be a bit smarter in this game. But like, I fucked up a quest line and just completely closed off a quest line to both of us. <laughs> but by just not listening. But the, like, there's so much... There seems to be so much like complexity and diversity in, all, in just this early stage of the game yeah. that just makes me wonder how this game goes going forward. Especially if we've got 20 hours now. Um, I'd love to. Yeah, so I'm excited to see. Like, more. what the? It's going to go forever. I hope so. That'd be great. D and D the shit out of it for me. Come on, let's go. Yeah, it definitely made me go. Maybe I need to go back and play the Divinity. Like, I remember also starting true. the first one. I'm like, I never yeah, finished Divinity through, Original like, Sin two, and all this Baldur's Gate three talk has just made me go. I kind of want to play Divinity Original Sin two now. <laughs> yeah, no, my yeah. my literally the my friend I'm playing through Baldur's Gate with is like, hey. Once we're done with this, you and me are going to go play Divinity because he's like, I love Divinity and you've never played it. Did you never play not it? Di- like, if you, Even I've though I had the whole Divinity D&D custom everybody, thing. Everybody was yeah. like, man, you should play this. This is yeah. D&D. And I was like, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Yeah, I right. think it was out during my you Overwatch. Need to steal that idea it was part of your Overwatch <laughs> Yeah, I think it was part of my Overwatch problem. So that's fine. We, we can get back to it. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I have a list of games that are um, part of my gear of League of Legends problems. So now you're just gonna have Legends a list problems, of games that were yeah. part of your yeah Overwatch <laughs> problems. Where I'm like, yeah, I'll get back to that at some point. Um, but yeah, it's it's a case of I think Larian does a fantastic job. Like, no, just how much this game feels like D and D to me, I think is amazing. Like, I honestly am so impressed with it feeling like D and D. Like, there's times where you're like it's an rpg like D, where i'm like but is it like D? like yeah is it really and oftentimes it's no so how much this incorporates and relies on the fact of it's D, where you're like cool like this is exactly what i wanted like more you know characters hating me because a dice roll accidentally screwed up and it just didn't work mm. and i'd be like okay or you know having to end up in a fight with an entire village because a dice roll happened yeah. and it was like oh boy i guess um, I- no, yeah, but the key question for this, obviously, is uh, is it worth buying into the early access now or should people wait? I think it's it's based... For me, it's personal preference. 
I'm I'm extremely glad I bought it during early access because I think more people playing this gives Larian more feedback on how to improve the game. That is um, the dictionary but, definition of why they should release a game in early access. That's yeah. definitely that's why Larian yeah, wants yeah. you to buy it. If you that's want, why Larian want if you, you to want, buy it. Like, should people do that? <laughs> if you if you want to if you want to be in like play this game in its most perfect form, maybe wait twelve months, just so it cleans up some of the bugs and like less of the janky things mm. happen. But if you love Dungeons Dragons or if you love RPGs or if you love Divinity, I would jump in and buy this, play this now because I think the story is awesome. The character creations are awesome. There's so much to do. I think playing it with a friend is really fun. Um, like I would love for one day for there to be like, your whole party can just be your characters. Go. Like that's four just people, a four yeah. player game. Um, I think that'd be a I lot of fun. I would be surprised if to jump that's in. not something that'll be updated yeah, before definitely. the full release. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's um, it's fun, and also you can pat dogs in it. There you go. You've sold it. So, patting dogs. A, that's, a that's the most important thing in twenty twenty. What, what, what do you reckon, Ash? Buy or wait? Uh, for me, I think you hold off unless you you can get you feel like you're going to get enough out of replaying that twenty hour yes reset with a different type of character. I mean, you can play it at least six different times with different classes and that kind of stuff. And that's um, even sure without you. factoring in each class having subclasses and playing yeah. a little bit differently. And, yeah. So you're going to play it a bunch of different times, different ways, and decide, you know, then you'll have that save there for when it eventually is in full release and you've got your, the one that fits you perfectly. If you're, if you're the type of player that's like, whenever I play RPGs or whenever I play games like Mass Effect, Dragon Age, whatever, yeah. I'm always a good character and I don't like playing anything else, wait till this is a full release and just play through the whole experience. If you're the type of player that's like, man, I want to play a good character. I want to play a bad character. I want to play like this character that like has no rules or like is just chaotic. I would be like, play this because you'll be able to get plenty Basically of Basically what it sounds like game, to me just- is if you sided with feeling more like Ash, wait. If you sided with feeling like you would get experience <laughs> like Kieran's describing by playing it multiple times and <laughs> being chaotic and whatever else, then I feel like that's the defining line between buy or buy or, or, or wait, I guess, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say read Kieran's piece on the website because I edited it and I'm like, damn, maybe I need to play this. I, <laughs> I mean, so, damn, you need to play this, but let's clarify, yeah. you got the code supplied to us by Larian. So. <laughs> got supplied by, by Larian, yeah. <laughs> I was, $90 is a bigger commitment. It is a big maybe. ask. But, it's, it's a know, big you, ask. You get the asks. eventual full game. Yes. Yes. It's just you know, it, it it's a pre-order. Yeah, early access is weird. I With it's, ex- it's I I can never say there's been a game like for, for instance like Hades. I brought day one early access, but I only ever jumped back into once during that whole period and played for like an hour, and then I never touched again. And then when it finally fully released, I pl- brought it on Switch. So I I'm not mm, an early yeah. access person <laughs> because uh, <laughs> yeah, me, me either. I actually I bought uh, Rogue Legacy too. Early yeah. access, but that's only because I had a Epic Games. Voucher. I might end up doing the same thing because like, I've got to use it by what November first or whatever. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's like yeah, this will be good. Multiplayer eventually. games, I feel like, is different because 
I, I think for single player games, I'm like, yeah, but like, I want to experience the story in its best form. And if you're going to be tweaking and yeah. changing things, I just, I find that very weird. Whereas with multiplayer games. So for example, uh, second extinctions coming into early access, uh, next week or something like that. I think actually I have to look at that after, after this, but set the dinosaur co-op be left for dead thing that got announced during Xbox's first, uh, third party showcase thing that's coming out early access on yep. PC next week, I think. Uh, and that I'm down for early access because I think multiplayer early access, you're like, whatever, it's going to be a little bit buggy, but I'm not missing out like story as they continue to add features. Cool. That just means it keeps the game because it's multiplayer more interesting. You know what I mean? Like I feel like early access multiplayer is just makes more sense, I guess. Yeah. When compared to single player stuff. Yeah. Uh, anyway, they'll do it for most people. Yeah. yeah. They'll do it for this week's episode of Arcade Couch. Of course. I can't end the episode without saying this is episode 99. Next <gasps> Friday. This no, not next Friday. This coming Friday. This is out on Monday. The what is Monday? The 12th, right? So like four days. 12. So this comes out on Monday the 12th on this coming Friday, the 16th of October at 7:30 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Got yep. it right. I had to think about it for a second because we're in daylight savings now, so it's confusing. 7.30 Australian Eastern Daylight Time, ADDT. Uh, you can catch us over at twitch.tv slash Explosion Network where we will be recording episode 100 of Arcade Couch live. If you'd like to head on over to twitch.tv slash Explosion Network now, uh, if you've got an account, I will have put in put it into the calendar so you can like set a reminder or whatever, however Twitch works. So just do all that and set it up so then when we go live it'll it'll remind you so come say hi uh if you can if not of course the episode will still be posted up afterwards but we would like to see you there we will be discussing slash debating the top 25 games of the generation it's gonna be a good time so don't don't miss out on that i feel like ash has a joke because he looks like he's thought of a joke so what's your joke see i can tell <laughs> You sure? No. You sure? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's gonna say he's no gonna now. Say, so he's gonna wait until after you've done it. Yeah, you wait until him. So, yeah. Look at him sitting back. I, I love laughing. how I've recorded so much. I can just tell from the glint in his fucking eye when he when he's thinking something. Uh, email mail explosion watch com with the subject line arcade couch if you've got any uh, ideas or things or th- whatever. Uh, you can find us on Twitter by heading to explosion com slash Twitter, and we will see you on Friday the 17th at 7.30 AEDT twitch.tv slash explosion network boy thanks for having us on your technical (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna go check out the PS5 booth let's go (laughs) fucking knew it hey don't forget you can subscribe to the show wherever you're currently listening and you can drop a review if you can Find more great shows like this and more content over at ExplosionNetwork.com and please consider supporting us for as little as a dollar over on our Ko-fi page by heading to ExplosionNetwork.com slash support. Thanks for listening.